Happy Friday, guys, and welcome to another episode of Let's Talk Dubs. I'm your host, Bill T. Coming at it to you again. We're coming up to 200 episodes. We're getting really close, and uh, I'm looking forward to getting that 200th episode out. I can't believe we've been putting out that many of these podcasts, but I'm certainly glad that I have been, and I really appreciate uh, you know all the knowledge I'm gaining from interviewing all these people that have been involved in the VW scene for so long. So, uh, Again, I went out of town this last weekend. Headed up to Salt Lake City with some family and uh, decided to, uh, while I was up there, track down some some interviews. And I, I up there in Salt Lake City, there's a guy, Eric Allred. And Eric Allred's been involved in the VW scene for quite a while up there. He's had his hands in a lot of different things. And what he's really been doing a lot lately is uh, he, he owns a company called Ready Motorsports. And he does a lot of, you know engine tuning, uh, he's got a dyno, um, motor building, and a, a pretty much just about anything you might need for your car up in Salt Lake City. But one of the things he specializes in is uh, the Sniper EFI setup, putting those on some cars. He put it on a friend of mine's car, and I know he's been doing it for quite a while. So I wanted to get him on the podcast and kind of talk about that, um, the, the EFI setup. I know we've talked about it before, but listen, there's a lot of different, there, there's more than one way to skin a cat, baby, and I'm bringing it to you. So this is another way. And also talked about you know, his history and how he's been involved in the VW scene. And so if you're in the Salt Lake area, anywhere nearby, and you need somebody to tune your car and get it dialed in, man, uh, Eric's Eric's the guy, and he's definitely an enthusiast, a hardcore enthusiast, went to a shop, toured a shop. He's got, you know, a lot of cool stuff going on over there. And he's also uh, starting to dip into a little bit of land speed stuff too. So that's kind of cool as well. But great podcast, good dude, and uh, I know you guys will for sure enjoy this podcast. But before we get into this, man, don't forget our sponsors. If you guys are looking to have any shirts, hats, or any jackets, things like that made, check out ulogoup.com. It's one of my show sponsors. That's ulogoup.com, the letter U, logoup.com. You got a cool design. You think what you got is cool. Throw it up in the website they got there. Load up all your stuff. Send it to them. Email it and get a quote back for what it would cost to do that. So, look, if you think you got some cool designs, it doesn't hurt to... Go to their website, throw it in there, and get a quote and see what it costs to uh, get you some gear made, man. You might be able to sell some gear at the next VW show. Speaking of next VW shows, the next one coming up for us over here is uh, Buses by the Bridge. But I do know that there's a, there's, a, there's a street cash race happening in Casa Grande, Arizona this, morning, uh, this weekend. And my boy Johnny Osmondson wanted me to go check it out. Uh, unfortunately, I'm not going to be able to make it. I can only choose so many weekends to disappear and uh, with so much stuff going on with uh, buses happening in January and then Octo right at the beginning of February along with the Grand National Roadster Show. There's lots of stuff coming up, uh, but I'm hoping to see some of you guys out there. Hit me up, send me a DM or message or an email at bill at letstalkdubs.com if you got any topics or questions or anything you want to chat about or get a shout out on the podcast. We'll give you some feedback uh with anything that you might have questions with but uh don't forget to support our sponsors uh ross wolf high quality aftermarket design parts that perfectly fit your ride and i know there was a little blurb on the internet not long ago in respect to some stuff that uh a pulley they had that somebody was like oh this pulley's out of whack and trust me i hopped on the horn with them and i was like hey what's going on with this and so i told those guys we'd get them on the podcast and kind of hammer out some of the some of the details as to what happened and all those types of things. So we'll have uh, the guys from Ross Wolf back on for a quick little blurb about, you know, 
a guy that's getting into manufacturing parts uh, for the VW hobby, and he's an enthusiast that, that got into it from that side. Uh, I know Jason's got a big background in um, you know manufacturing and the sales in another industry, and now he's you know out of passion moving into the VW side. And so he's really got a commitment to quality and all those types of things. So I, I knew when stuff started going sideways, that's one of the reasons why I hit him up and we had a conversation. I said, you know, I'll get you on the podcast so that the listeners, we can kind of, he enlightened me to a lot of things that there's a lot of variables when you get down in the weeds in respect to uh, making aftermarket parts that, that make the difference. So I'm committed to have those guys on to get that. Don't forget to subscribe to VW Trends Magazine. That's VWTrendsMagazine.com. Uh, there's a rad issue coming out, so you guys better be ready for it. Uh, maybe one of my first articles I've ever written in a magazine. So uh, trust me, it's nothing uh, spectacular, but it, look, it's me. It's your boy. And support your boy and support the people that support us. So support VWTrendsMagazine.com. Also, if you guys are up in the Pacific Northwest area looking to have a custom car built, Lanny Hussey's your guy. He Check out his Facebook page, Lanny Hussey's Custom Cars. And he's up there uh, just outside. He, he, he's in uh, Barnaby, uh, British Columbia up there. And uh, check him out. He's got uh, the skills to pay the bills. Whatever you need done, he can get it done for you. Uh, full restorations. And, you know, not just Volkswagens as well. So if you're looking to get something built and you're looking for the guy that's got that attention to detail that you don't have, which is what I didn't have when I had Buddy build my Gia, um, I knew, uh, I knew I needed somebody better than me to do that. Uh, you might be in that same situation. You might have your dream car that you want built to an unbelievable level of detail and you want it to be super clean, dialed in, and, and just, just the way to go, right? If you're that guy and you're up near that Pacific Northwest area, uh, anywhere around that area, even across the country, you can ship your car to Lanny Hussey's Custom Cars. Check out his Facebook page. He's got a lot of stuff on there about the cars he's built several magazine features one after another and we're going to be getting him on here when he's gonna be debuting a new car this year so i'm pretty excited for it lots of cool stuff going on but we'll get him on also for a little blurb about what he's got going on uh in his shop right now so check his facebook page out lanny hussey custom cars but other than that guys uh let's get into it man let's talk about some fuel injection let's talk about making that stuff work on your vws and we're going to get into it salt lake city red e motorsports Eric Allred, on this week's Let's Talk Dubs. You probably don't know that there's a new Volkswagen out that doesn't look like a Volkswagen. Okay, everybody. So on today's show, uh, I'm up here in Salt Lake City with uh, some family for the New Year's weekend, and I happen to barge in on my guy, uh, Eric Allred over here at Ready Motorsports. If you don't know who Eric is, you probably should. If you're interested in EFI, fuel injection, or engine building, or any of that kind of stuff up in the Salt Lake area, he's the guy to know. So I want to welcome him to the podcast. Eric, welcome to the show today. That's well, good to be here. Hey, so uh, the way we always start the podcast, and we, you and I have been kind of cheating a little bit i don't want to really say cheating but it kind of has been cheating because we've been chatting for a little while but uh we have been talking about a lot of history and a lot of that stuff what's going on with you but 
the way we always start the podcast is what's your VW story and how did you get into Volkswagens? Uh, you know, I didn't have a choice. I was born into it. My dad's first car was a bug and he fell in love with them instantly. So that's all we ever had. Really? Our, growing up, we had a 59 bug and a 68 Gia. The Gia was my mom's driver. My, the bug was my dad's. And that's all we had. That's, I grew up thinking those were the normal cars. And everyone at school, you know, of course, oh, you, your parents drive the funny cars. Mm, normal to me. I grew up in it. So. Yeah. Was it your first car was a Volkswagen? Oh, yeah. Really? Yep. What year? Uh, it was a 66, and I got it, f well, that's a little hazy. My first bug was a 62. Yeah. My dad picked it up. He was going to, he got it in pieces, you know, up at the edge of the canyon. Uh, he was going to just throw it back together, make it a driver to get to work. <clears throat> this is, you know, I was in seventh grade. And so the bugs just weren't worth much. And it just, but it was a nice clean 62. And the more he looked at it, he's like, he's like, you know, you're going to get your license in a few years ago. Let's work on this. Let's make this your car. So we had that. But when I turned 16, my uncle gave me his old 66 bug. He towed it out here from Colorado and it was pretty rough, yeah. but you know what? I'm, I'm not a privileged kid. And I just thought that was the coolest, you know, it was, right. it was, it failed safety inspection because of how much rust it had. We had to, we cobbled it, we made it work, but I, that was a good first car to drive. Cause I beat it. Yeah. I didn't treat it nice. I don't still don't treat my stuff. nice. So, <laughs> so you're kind of born into this whole VW uh -huh. thing. Uh, and now, obviously, you've got Ready Motorsports up here in uh, Salt Lake City. Now, how did you? You didn't. You weren't always a VW mechanic. Didn't always like. To, I mean, as a hobby, you were. But for a profession, how yeah. did, how does this come to be? Uh, you know, it was a weird one. I just, you know, you you always work on them in your garage over and over and over. And uh, and I got into heating and air conditioning after a while, and I decided I want a real career. I need to learn a trade. And I got into that under uh, Art Thorain, uh, who ran Ace up here in Murray, right? Which is all—it's all Salt Lake City here. And uh, so I worked with him. But well before that, I did actually run the warehouse at Aircool.net, who recently uh, just shut down temporarily. I don't know really? what their plan is. Yeah. Now, see, I—I've never—I never knew anything about Aircool.net other than I knew it was like a a distribution house or a drop mail, direct mail order type VW website that yeah. was fairly, fairly decently sized. And I don't know, but, and I'm sure we may go down, not we, but I'll yeah. probably look into some of the history of that yeah. since, especially since you maybe have some connections over there. Yeah, we were there. I was there for five years running the warehouse. And, uh, I honestly, uh, you know, working under John Connolly, uh, that dude's smart. Yeah. He's, you know, engineering degree and he just thinks, for himself a lot of ways. So I learned a lot just working with him. Mm -hmm. uh, then when it was time to leave that, uh, you know, went and did some other stuff, got on with art, and then also just doing heating and air conditioning for art, he had his VW shop. Mm -hmm. And he's, you know, was always regarded as one of the best uh, carburetor restorations, IDAs were his game. And, uh, you know, he showed me how to restore IDAs the way he does it. And uh, very meticulous dude, uh, just detail, detail, detail. Now, is art into Volkswagens as a hobby? Uh, anymore, I don't know if he's, I think he still has his old race car, unless he sold, I know he's always kind of had it for sale, mm -hmm. but like we all have our car for sale, sure. but then maybe we don't really want to sell him. I right. don't know. I, last I heard, he still has it. Uh, but he's, you know, he's got his own kind of jam going on and, you know, life kind of moves on and life gets busy. And uh, I see him once in a while. It's good to see him. 
Uh, but it was been it was super cool to work for both of those guys that were very intelligent, very smart guys, and you could just absorb like a sponge from them, you know. And now with restoring the forty eight IDAs, I mean, a lot of people do forty eights, right? Just mm -hmm. about. I mean, you got Jack Sacchetti, you got Gary Berg, mm -hmm. you got yeah. And then art kind of came on the scene. I would say probably in the mid two thousands, early two thousands, maybe he came on the scene. As far as my knowledge of him, now, I'm not a drag race guy, so. It might have been when I had a car, my, my first double cab had 48s on it. And I remember my brother like, dude, these have been gone through by Art Thrain. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they're like, he does the third hole progression and blah, 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 all the stuff to him. Now, mm -hmm. is there a difference in the way he does a car, the way that you've been taught to do a carburetor versus the way most people do them? Uh, you know, it's hard to say. I've not seen how other people do their carbs. Because the 48 is a pretty basic carburetor, right? It is. It's, it's simple. It's pretty simple. So what are some of the, I mean, for some of those listeners out there, like what is something different you could do that some people, I mean, maybe it's most people just kind of rebuild them and do that or because I mean, there's more to it. They're setting the float heights. They're setting the I, I mean, the needle and seat is going to be comboed off the float type thing. And Yeah, the... The way I learned it from Art was I had a set of IDAs that I put up for sale and someone wanted them. And Art caught wind, he goes, you sold those? I'm like, yeah, I'm moving. And this was when I was switching to EFI. Mm -hmm. I picked up some throttle bodies and I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna sell these to help fund the, the fuel injection. And, uh, and he's just like, he goes, well, people know you work here. He goes, you're not sending them out like that. And so no, and he insisted, cause he goes, even though he wasn't selling it, he goes, you work in my shop. And they're going to say, oh, the, these carbs are junk, and this guy works there. The, yeah, so he's like, these are going to be gone through. So he had me glass beat them, tear them all apart, you know, pull, you know, re-grease all those shafts. I mean, just totally just, you know, pull them apart. And it was kind of cool to see just his, the amount of detail he went into, and there's a reason he was known for it. I mean, right. you can look at it and go, yeah, he's, he's not missing any now, details. The, the third hole progression, what's that all about? You hear people say it a lot, but yeah. really, what does it do? Well, so what you got is a, a stock IDA has two progression holes above the throttle plate. So mm -hmm. when you crack the throttle open, it's going to expose those two circuits for fuel. Well, with only two, you get a dead spot once you get past that. Like IDFs have, I forget, there's four or five. You know, you get a real progression. But with IDAs, you got two, so you, you've got room to drill a third one in. There's no room to go up and do a fourth because you're doing it right through and it's a miserable thing. I don't like doing it because it's so easy to snap the drill bits and then you're fixing that. It's, it's a pain to me. Maybe other guys have found an easier way. Right. But you can fit in that passage. You can get a third hole in there and now you got three and it just increases streetability. Just that off idle transition, it smooths that out a lot more. So there's a chamber already inside the casting that's got fuel in it. And by drilling another mm -hmm. hole through there, it let, it's like three ports on the side of that. Mm -hmm. And yep. the vacuum is what kind of pulls out the vacuum yeah. and the plunger. And as you open the plate, it exposes them to that manifold Noticeable vacuum. difference? I think so. Yeah. I think most people do. It's, it's an easy mod. It's just the one time you have a drill bit snap is the part that you just go, all right, this sucks. So, <laughs> so if someone out there, so that's a visible mod that if someone's buying uh -huh. a set of carburetors that have three hole progression circuitry done to them, you look down the inside of that shaft where you see the, the holes and you'll mm -hmm. see a third hole drilled above the throttle plate. Yeah. Yeah, so it should be pretty easy to spot. Yeah, and I would almost say most of them are going to be modded. Because my, my thought, for some reason, I thought it was like some porting inside. or you know, Listen, I'm a lay person. I'm, I, yeah. I get into it just enough to get, get in trouble. Like, that, you yep. know, like the guy Johnny just left here. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I know just enough to start meddling with my own stuff and make problems even worse. That Johnny is trouble. You hear that, Socks? <laughs> <laughs> so, so, you know, 
so you get into doing that and then you leave for a bit you leave after working over there what how do you transition into ready motorsports uh well i actually when i worked for art i didn't work on his vw side but we hung out enough you know you get back to the shop i worked on his heating and air conditioning side because mm-hmm. that's what i wanted to learn was a a regular trade a trade and uh and he got me into that and about five years into that i started my own company up and uh and that just it's just the kind of job that owns you in the summer and you're dead in the winter and i'm a i'm a summer activity guy i hate the winter so then you're stuck cabin fever all winter you end up doing that and about 10 years go by and you're just like man i don't like this and uh i had a friend got me a job up at the university of utah Mm -hmm. doing refrigeration and all that up there and uh like a lifer job a lifer yep and there are guys that are there for life and i don't blame them because it's a cake job it's yeah. great benefits it's uh it's one of those things you sit there and go like why did i quit that job that was actually pretty easy but i got bored i got really bored um monotonous i mean we had 53 buildings we took care of and it was just like you knew them all by the back of your hand you're just like you, you actually start nicknaming the equipment and, you, right. and it's and i just got bored enough that it was killing me um I didn't want to do side jobs anymore. I did one furnace install on the side while I worked up there to make some extra cash because mm-hmm. the pay wasn't great. The benefits were. Yeah. And I'm like, well, I'll make some extra cash. And it was the worst day of my life since I'd shut my business down. It was like, I don't want to do these anymore. I just don't want to do them. I don't want to. And then after a while, I just like, I, I am bored and I want to do something. So right. we, we, we built a, me and the wife built a house and uh, put an extra big garage on it. And I put a lift in it. And somehow people caught wind of it. Well, probably Facebook, because I'm posting like, I'll go to Lyft. Well, you get a uh, Lyft or a pickup truck, all of a sudden everybody's your friend. Exactly. Yeah, you got a car trailer. You got buddies, right? <laughs> yeah. And uh, so next thing you know, people I don't know are getting a hold of me going, hey, can you do this work? Can you do this work? And I'm like, well, yeah, this is, this is better side work than putting a furnace in. So I'd start working, doing this and that. And then it finally hit a point where it's like tow trucks are dropping cars off. And I thought, yeah, we need to go legit. This is not, you know get a hold of the city well we can't do it we can't get a license in our in our house they won't the city won't let us do it there so we're like well all right so we rented this place just started doing it after work and it it only took maybe two or three months before it was like i'm out let's do it let's go let's just jump in yeah and uh and it's worked out and how long you been here now about two and a half years now now you and i spoke i we we just jogged a memory that we had together back at the, I think it was, it was called the VW Classic back uh-huh. in the Utah Classic that they had. Or Wasatch Classic. The Wasatch Classic yeah. that they used to have over there under the trees. Yep. Near Provo, in Provo. Down in Provo, in Provo, Utah County, yeah. And I said, I remember being there when I when I had the Bull Run bus and I came there to a show. Uh, like I said, my wife's got family up here. So we were up here visiting family. And um, as we, as in the show, I, I ended up talking to somebody. I remember I was talking to someone about fuel injection. We kind of got on this fuel injection conversation, and we were talking, and that was you, yeah. because, you know, as as we're talking, as, as Eric and I are talking here, you know, he does the sniper EFI setup, and before that, he's a mega squirt guy. Yep. And so I know there's a lot of guys that listen that are mega squirt and you know off the shelf or on the shelf or whatever the case is. And so even before you started the shop, you were really like committed to trying to make mm-hmm. EFI work. Now, what, why, do, why are you so hell bent on EFI? Just out of curiosity. I think it was just the nerdiness of it. Yeah. Like it's, it's more involved and it was different. No one in town was doing EFI. I, I'm going to take a guess. Do you have an Android phone? Yeah. Yeah, see, 
this is all the guys that I like to I like to hack my phone like all right oh I don't even do that well no. <laughs> you know, but you know what I mean like there's there's guys that are that are that are they're Microsoft and they like to to fiddle with this and yeah. mess with that but you know because we were talking about this earlier right as I as I was working on you know it started out before I had a company I had a job and when I had a job I had more time and mm -hmm. so I'd be in the garage working on stuff and so I'd look at an EFI kit and be like that's crazy money. I can probably get the pieces from a junkyard and build it. And then I would see online, I'd see, I would see the brain for the, um, for the uh, mega squirt. And, you know, I would think like, oh, well, you know, they send you the board, you just got to solder the wires. And then it evolved into the pre-made, like they started making the yeah. pre-made modules. And, and that's stuff what like I that. did. I didn't solder the boards. Right. You weren't we, that, you we weren't the, that geeky. We'd like, do the jumpers <laughs> to, you know, the J five to, you know, make it so your ignition worked right. We'd do that. But I'd like my buddy chip, he's really good at it. Building the boards. Well, he does the led tail lights. I mean, he's, oh, really? he's a, he's a technical guy too. Nice. And, uh, but I bought, I bought, I'd buy mine from like DIY auto tune, just get it done. And then you do the jumpers to tailor it to what your ignition is or whatever this sure. is. And, and that worked for me because it's like time versus money and it's like I'm not building the board. Right. right. And, the, and, and we started talking about that, right? Like the time, the time money equation for this usually ends up being that the guys that do that do their own mega squirt, they've got more time than money and they want to be and they're so invested in their it's like a it's like a cult Well, they want to learn it. All the mega squirt guys like they're all with it, some guys want to learn it. Some guys don't want to learn it. Mm -hmm. But it's one of those things like if you're going to go down that road you better know how to tune it or be ready to pay somebody to tune it because yep. it's not something that just the average schmo off the street knows. Yeah. So doing, so what's the first car you EFI? Uh, would you believe it's that black car over there when it was red? Same car. Really? That you remember. Yeah. Wow. That was, uh, it's got a different body. Now we had a big fire in Sacramento 10 years ago and it, it cooked it hard enough that the doors didn't close. Right. So we had to put a new body on it. So, and so yeah. when you jump, so you were drag racing that car cause you've been mm -hmm. drag racing for how long? Uh, the first, I was 16 when we first, we used to have a show out at the drag strip here called the Utah VW classic, which so now there's three classics that have been in Utah's history now, which is kind of odd. But back then it was the Utah VW classic and we'd have a drag race show kind of emulate the buggeramas, you know, and, uh, my dad was running the club back then. And, uh, I was 16 and I had that 66 bug that was just a pile. I think we had a 1200 CC motor in it and, uh, it was doing like 27 second quarter miles and we're, I'm just, I think I made 30 passes and my dad finally said, stop because I'm just hot lapping and <laughs> like, keep going, keep going. That was the funnest thing I ever did. And, uh, and my dad's just like, you need to just, yeah, people are really getting tired of, you know, watching your car take 30 seconds almost to go down the track you're right you're kind of slow in the show you're embarrassing down. the family name son we've got to do oh, something about I this did that years <laughs> before that <laughs> <laughs> but then i think the real i think probably 2000 is probably when i really you know i built a 2276 and uh and that was the first big motor I ever built and it was it was amazing and it, all it did was 13s and but, and who taught you to build motors a book really yeah i just what book Oh gosh, what is it? The uh, that's the one everyone has. The red book, the, the red red book. how to how to hot rod or VW oh, the, or whatever the the hot rod one, the same motor that's in the Gene Berg uh, store. I'm trying to think the name of that book. I haven't looked at that thing in a long time. But I, yeah, I was just I was just a dumb newly married guy, no kid or nothing. I'm just out in the garage going, okay, here we go. Right. And it ran and it and it leaked oil and it ran and it did all that fun stuff. Now, Thirteen but, seconds. That's no slouch for a 2276 built by a kid. 
yeah built and by himself you know what i mean 2276 yeah. 13 we did, seconds we did that in uh in phoenix and we drove from vegas to phoenix when we lived in vegas and uh yeah me and my buddy steve uh i haven't talked to him in a long time but yeah we're cruising 75 mile an hour getting 24 miles a gallon with some 48 in the IDS. same car uh-huh yeah we're getting 24 round trip on that thing and we we flogged it all day at the track had a great time and on idfs mm-hmm. yeah 48 idfs wow and it was, it was a great little car i enjoyed it i learned a lot on that car that yeah. was that was my dad's old car actually really uh-huh. and so you then you get the car you get what car how fast before you decide to switch to efi uh well it was it was that car the, there it was red yeah so i had the idas on it and you're racing it running how fast uh low 12s up here in salt lake what size motor uh 2276 same crank really that, i am running the same crank right now as i ran in 1999. wow what uh, kind of crank is it scat wow it was like a thousand bucks back then which Big money a lot of money for me but that was when john Connolly, before i worked for him at aircool.net uh he i'm buying all my parts from him he was just starting aircool.net and and I go, what do I need? So I'm bending his ear a lot on combo and stuff. And, and yeah, he, he set me up with a good combo. Yeah. And the dude was smart. And, uh, yeah, he's like, he goes, get this crank. I'm like, whoa, like, man, that, that hurts. Nuts. That's a lot of money. And he's <laughs> like, he goes, trust me, it's worth it. it. It'll, you'll, you'll make it back. You'll whatever. And sure enough. Yeah. We're 20 something years later. The thing has been polished. Really? I, it hasn't even been cut. Wow. So it's like, well, that is a good crank. Yeah. <laughs> and so you so the first so now i'm curious the first time that you decide to jump from uh carburation to efi Mm -hmm. what is the difference with respect to performance uh the fastest i ever went with carbs was like no 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 the first the first time you switched to efi Mm -hmm. okay so the first time you fast you went with carbs was what like a 12 15. and then you switch your first time out switching to efi you run what uh first time out i did not go fast it was tuning (laughs) a lot of tuning well that and that's that's the point i'm trying to make like because usually when guys make that jump it's a learning curve it's a big smack in the face uh-huh. and it's like what you think you know about carburetors you need to forget about with efi yeah I, to like, some degree like i kind of tell people there, there are some people that go i want to go efi because they're tired of carbs and i go well if you can't set up a set of carbs you're not going to do efi really much either i mean it's it's better now with with the sniper stuff with the self-learning mm-hmm. but like mega squirt there's people going i'm tired of the, how the way carb run i'm gonna go mega squirt it's like if you don't have the patience to learn the carburetor, you're not going to learn mega squirt. So in your opinion, you got two motors, daily driver car, whatever it is, which can you get running better carbureted or EFI? I think you can get them both running good. I, I, but if, if a guy's got, if a guy's got carbs that the throttle shafts aren't blown out and everything's not mm-hmm. just rattle trap and they're just, they're just not set up right. It's probably cheaper and easier for a guy to stay carbureted mm-hmm. and actually sit down. And I think that's the kind of the microwave generation, right? Everybody wants like, can, where's the button I can just push and this all goes away, yep. you know? And they think, oh, it's buying the EFI setup. And for years that hasn't been the case for a long, long time until some of the self-learning EFI stuff has come out. Um, and so the first time you run the car EFI after running 12, you run a what? Uh, 14. God, honestly, I probably was still in the 12s. You know, oh, was it? Because we did, you know, parking lot tuning first. You know, right, we're, right. we're getting it running right. And uh, I remember it was funny because I, st- I was still working at uh, for Art. And he had a, a guy that worked there named Casey that was doing some of the VW work. And uh, 
Casey was a smart dude. He ended up going to work for Honda and I mean, just real smart guy. But so he was interested and we're after work and we're playing with him. My laptop was so cheap. You had to hold the, the battery's dead, wouldn't hold the charge. So you had to, you know, we put an inverter in there and we're, he's in the passenger seat holding the, the power plug on just so it wouldn't lose power. So we could laptop tune while we drive. Right. And it was just, it was so hokey back then, but then you finally go and we're running 12s, but we eventually got that thing to do an 1170 up here. Same motor, just switching to EFI. Mm-hmm. And so now that you've, so over here at Ready Motorsports, you do, you build motors, you do maintenance, you do what like what do you do? What do you offer for people here? Uh, anything except build transmissions and body and paint. So you can pretty much do any type of assembly mechanical work mm-hmm. that anybody needs done for their VW we up do, here. We do a lot of uh, electrical, a lot of suspension work, a lot of brakes. Um, engines you know we, we do we do a good number of engines probably one or two a month so now when did you first because the this sniper this new sniper and i want to say new i don't know how new it is because i know we we spoke a little bit and this is originally the sniper throttle by that that you convert to doing for volkswagens mm-hmm. was actually designed for a six-cylinder mustang yeah straight setup. six what 64 to 67 mm-hmm. mustang or any other 64 and a half there you go <laughs> yeah or like ford falcons or whatever those right. straight sixes mm-hmm. were and uh yeah, and I, it's just like, you know, it's like EFI is great, but it's very involved. You're going to put dual throttle bodies on. You're going to do all this stuff. And coming from the Megascore world, it was like, that's eh, a lot of work and people don't want to do it. But I saw that single throttle body. I'm like, that is really close to the size of a 34 picked. And I kind of looked at it and go, I think stock or mild, tame engines, I think there's guys that want something that will just bolt on. And uh, so we picked it up, and it, I couldn't get it to run right at first. It was, it was styled, it was surging it was really really odd and uh but i thought no i've i bought this thing i'm gonna make it work you know you're committed yeah because i'd already made i've already made the I, my the first adapter plate still on my bus here yeah um, it's all done by hand you know it's, what motors in your bus it's a 2021 cc so it's a thick wall uh 76 by 92 and it runs comparably to this thing with a set of 44s on it, you think? Or No, I w- you can get, I've actually built an identical motor with 40s on it, mm-hmm. and it makes, probably across the range, it makes a couple more horsepower on the Webers. But then above 4,000, you see the, you'll see the two graphs on the dyno just kind of separate. The, the 40s just flow more air. You got that yeah. short intake, it's a bigger intake. That's the limiting factors. That center mount manifold is it's just not going to flow a ton of air. Right. So it's good for a bus. It's good for you know mild street engines that you just want to turn the key and drive and enjoy. But high performance guys, we get the calls going like, "Yeah, I want to get rid of my forty-four Webers." I'm like, "If you got forty-four Webers, this isn't going to choke it down." Right. Yeah. You know? And now I see on this EFI set, if you're running a vacuum advanced distributor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was one of the things we had to modify it to make sure that worked because it the way holly has you set it up it just it doesn't work right the the port is not right with the throttle plate things don't work right and uh so yeah that's part of what we do is we actually physically modify the throttle plate so there's proprietary things that you do to the Mm -hmm. i mean it's not like you're just buying a kit and reselling it to somebody you're actually taking the sniper efi you're you're making the adapter plate you're doing the fab work you're making the adjustments to make it work yeah for a motor now what what is this what is this up to in respect to like horsepower what will this handle or or how do you how do you gauge what size motor this is for i i don't do it by displacement so much i kind of do it by how much horsepower Mm -hmm. is it going to really make because that's really what it comes down to uh one thing to also touch on is we don't sell the snipers uh we're not a holly dealer 
So we have customers, they buy the sniper, ship it to us, mm -hmm. then we modify it and send it back to them. Holly won't say if it's a dealer, huh? Uh, I haven't tried because I can only imagine what the buy-in is. Yeah. <laughs> well, so you'll have, so you're, so the program that you do is you have, a, you'll have a, a guy buy his own, mm -hmm. he'll buy his own sniper setup and have it shipped to you. Yep. And then you'll mod the wiring, you'll pull out everything he doesn't need, you'll, you'll pare it down to a DIY install for a first time VW guy. Yeah, we reflash the computer, we, we'd set it all up. So basically, uh, the only fabrication you really have to do is you have to weld the O2 sensor in, weld the return fitting into the fuel tank. That's kind of the extent of it. It bolts right onto a 34 flange. Uh, you got to drill a hole in the tin for the temp sensor so you get some air off the cylinder heads. Uh, to give it a reference of what it's doing just for warm up and uh but then we reflash the entire tune so there's i mean the whole target fuel map is way different uh all the idols everything we we pretty much change it from anything you're going to do from the the wizard that holly has in it if you do the wizard it runs like garbage i had one customer even though we tell them we tell everyone don't run the wizard don't mess with the idle control screw those are the two things right. we do don't don't do what holly says there and uh, I had one customer accident did, and you know he he did the wizard, reflashed it to what Holly said, and he goes, "This thing doesn't run right." I'm like, I find out. He goes, "Yeah, I ran the wizard," and I'm like, "Oh, okay." So I had to email him the tune back. I go, "Okay, here's the link that shows how to flash it onto the SD card, put it back in, put the tune in, and he's been good." But so it happens. So <laughs> and obviously because this is for an air cooled setup, it's got to be done a little bit differently now. The reason you jump from this to, from like doing mega squirt to this, do you run this on your own car? I run this in my shop truck, yeah. With a sniper, with the, with the sniper EFI set up and the controller and all that stuff? Mm -hmm. Now, the control module that comes with little brain, does that, it gives you lots of information on that brain? If um, it's hooked up right, or is there a lot of stuff that you don't need for air-cooled VW? There's a lot you don't need. And some of the numbers are just arbitrary that don't, like the temperature sensing. The, it's not, I tell people, this is not uh, an indication of what your actual engine temp is. It's just a reference for the EFI to know how much enrichment to give till it's warmed up. We have the idle change based on temperature also, so it's idles higher when it's colder, then it goes down to normal. But if it gets real hot, we have it bumped back up, so you get off a of highway in the summer, keeps the oil light out idles a little higher we just do stuff like that yeah it's I've, I've always found that interesting like in the summertime when you're putting some heat on that motor uh you get off the freeway and your oil out of tend to start flickering and stuff like that yeah. now is that what's the cause i mean obviously the oil's warmed up and thinned out mm -hmm. quite a bit so it drops the pressure or what's mm -hmm. the yeah it just drops a little pressure not all engines have that issue but uh Anyone that's, you know, you get a, you know, these aren't all going on brand new engines. These are, are, guys are these just, line board engines that do that? Or do new engines do that? New engine cases? Depends on who builds it, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> so with, with this setup here, somebody wants to do this setup. I mean, who, who's this perfect for? Like a guy who's got a 34 pick three, doesn't want to do dual carbs, doesn't want to be tuning carbs, wants to get something just bolted on and kind of be done with it. I say the most of what we sell are bus guys. Yeah, they they just got a good healthy 1776 or a thick wall 1835 or, or is that like this one? This one's going into a bus, the one that you see in front of you, and it's a it's a 2180, and uh, so it's it's pretty big displacement wise, but it's still it's just you know mild heads. They're the, just the Panchito heads, cheater cam. But you're gonna get torque out of it. Like what's what would a, a motor like this torque. dyno at? Uh, torque wise, I bet that's on our dyno. It's it's probably pushing. I would bet about 130, 135 foot pounds of torque at like two grand. At the wheels? 
Yeah, yeah, on our because uh, you got there. a roller dyno. A lot mm-hmm. of people say dyno, but they have a flywheel dyno. But that's at the wheels. So yeah. 135. So my bull run bus with a 2270. Mm-hmm. So if you guys are listening, you need to take a shot now. If you heard me mention the bull run bus, it's kind of a, a running joke <laughs> to the listeners. Um, but the uh, the bull run bus 2270 Type Four. I had it on a chassis dyno, and I dynoed that at 157 horse and. 135 oh wow torque at the wheels so does that would that be right that would be or would they be inverse of that 135 157 torque yeah it's hard to say i can't remember i've got it on video somewhere it's on it's on one of my vegas volks videos with the uh with what i had when i first built it but i mean that's pretty impressive a 2110 with a little a little pea shooter like that on top of there is going to get you 100 yeah. 135 horse 135 pound feet of torque at the wheels yeah and our like our shop truck here it's a 2021 and it makes like we had so when we started it was a 1600 that ran really good you know with the 34 picked on it ran great but you know can't leave that alone mm-hmm. but we dynoed that and it made like 60 foot pounds of torque and 40 horse at the on, wheels on which the, is after going through the drivetrain uh-huh. which is normally you would be netting about 48 horsepower uh dep- yeah and like i said it always depends on the dyno right but, yeah but, but you know uh, what i mean like like typically if you're if the motor's dynoed because vw dynoed them at the flywheel at 60 horsepower or yeah. 50 yeah and then there's what there's din and sae mm-hmm. and there's different horsepower ratings too so i and i don't know it depends on what everyone does but uh but we built this motor for it put the efi on it and it makes 125 foot pounds of torque and 80 horsepower at a 2000 so, what's the combination motor uh, combination 76 by 92 76 by 92 thick wall 92s mm-hmm. yeah there. i love those on buses really yeah they're just a little more peace of mind yeah. for the load but yeah so we've effectively we've doubled the horsepower and the torque of the bus across the board which is it's a drivable bus it's, and furthest you've driven this bus is what uh let's see what lava hot springs is probably our our longest it's not a comfortable bus to drive it's right so it, 19 19 what uh it's, 60 62 63 that's a mutt isn't it it's a 65 but it's got an early front nose on it i put early taillights on it and then I, the red bumpers yeah. But it's got push button door handle. So people always look at it and go, what, what is this thing? Right. <laughs> yeah. So I'm thinking, um, so this thing, you, you're, this isn't your favorite cruiser as far as long, long haul vehicles. Um, it's okay. The, the, the only problem with it is it gets the way it's been lowered and I didn't do it. Yeah. Cause this thing is sitting in the weeds, man. It's aired up in the front right now. Is it? Yeah. It's pretty miserable. Holy so crap. Like when we went, drove it to lava, we loaded the whole truck bed up with coolers and tents and all that stuff for the big camp out that uh, Cody does up there, which is a really fun show. If, if anyone wants to do a fun show, that's a good one. Um, but we had it so loaded down, we ended up with what, 200 pounds of air in the front tires, uh, 110 pounds of air in the bags in the rear. And going down the freeway, we we're still scraping here and there. I mean, wow. it was just loaded. And what, what kit is on this? No kit. Uh, this is just a homemade air airbag job. Yeah, um, you actually know the guy that did it. Um, he did this one years ago, and it's. I mean, it, the whole goal was to get it down. It wasn't about on the ground. It wasn't about comfort. It was about style. And right. It, and that's what I liked about it too. But uh, yeah, the beam is raised physically five inches up in the frame, uh, narrowed five inches. The steering shaft actually goes under your foot. It's a, it's in the bus with you. I mean, it's the steering box. The, the rod that goes front to back oh wow to the pitman arm or whatever you call yeah, it yeah yeah and the, like the whole rear end's tubbed but anyway so it's all narrowed in and uh, the problem is you get on the freeway if you if a truck passes you hard or you whatever it is 
that thing will start oscillating side to side and it gets a little dangerous. So we've ended up, we did like a four port air ride to help isolate the bags. Then we did a sway bar in the rear. We, you know, we've made a custom, we took a bug one and made it work with this, but, and that helped a lot, but man, every once in a while it's, it can get spooky. Yeah. So it doesn't get long road trips. We thought about taking it to buses by the bridge. Um, but then again, with a big hole in the floor and it's winter and that little Chinese diesel heater is great, but cold air is overpowering. Do you have the Chinese <laughs> diesel heater in that? Yeah. And where's, where's it mounted? I put it under the bench seat and it actually drops down because where they raised the beam, they t cut out that whole heater tube. Oh, And convenient. so I flexed it to what was left. So it actually blows through the vents and the defrost and all that. Oh, really? But it's, there's a lot of cold air blowing. There's a lot floor. of holes. There's a lot of holes in this bird. <laughs> yeah. That's wild. So getting back to the to the efi setup so mm -hmm. this this setup once how many of these setups have you done oh you know i've never counted i bet we're somewhere around 40 of them 40 sets and what's the most miles that are on one of those i don't know i never really hear back from anyone i've got two years on mine yeah and no issues mm -mm. i mean the snipe this so this sniper setup's a couple years old mm -hmm. that they've got here and i mean really if they came out, so let me ask this question. Could you adapt this onto, could you get the bigger throttle body and do it? Cause they, they have somewhat, they have a bigger, like a, a four barrel, four barrel or a two barrel. They've setup. got a couple of two barrels. And I, I picked up a progressive manifold to start playing with that, mm -hmm. but I want to do, because you're still going through all the end castings and you're still restrictive, but I think it would be pretty, I think a two barrel would be ideal with boost. Cause I think yeah. that would be pretty slick. I actually figured out how to open the map on this in the software, the single barrel, I can get a, it has a factory two bar map, mm -hmm. but it's only programmed from Holly to have one bar, 105 KPA is where it maxes. But we figured out how to get in there and change it to 200 KPA and it reg we air hosed it and checked it and it reads it all the way up. So it'll do it. So, and the reason that's important to some of our listeners that don't understand there is if that map sensor is variable, what'll happen is as it increase as it, it senses the boost pressure, it'll start to richen the fuel. Is that what it does? Yeah, it basically the whole fuel map is based off RPM and manifold pressure mm -hmm. or vacuum, depending on which. And side that's of what the... map stands for, manifold air pressure. Is mm -hmm. that what it stands for? Yep. So, um, so it it calculates the manifold air pressure and it calculates the vacuum. Yeah, you basically you get a full map. Uh, it's like a thirty-one by thirty-one table, mm -hmm. and it's just big old grid and so you watch it run if you plug in you can watch your little cursor move around you'll see where you are with relation to rpm versus mm -hmm. manifold pressure and uh but yeah so once you can if you can crack it like we have and then you can add boost to it now you can add the fuel where it needs to it's going to tune to it correctly so you so you bolt you take a cb header for example with the under apron deck under apron uh turbo running up pipe because i've always wanted to do that to my mexican bug mm -hmm. i wanted because my mexican bug's got a map sensor on it yeah but i don't know what they read up to on the factory the because yours is the the what o2 and yeah it's a it's a o3 mexican beetle yeah and so i don't know if those are made for anything above atmosphere you know yeah. so you start boosting it and it's maxed out the map it's not going to know now I've got this much more air. I need. This I much wonder fuel. if the fastest way to do it would be have two cars, mm -hmm. like two cars on a dyno next to each other, run one that's running boost and take the charge pipe and run into the other motor, <laughs> and just put a sniffer <laughs> on it. I mean, that'd be the cheapest, easiest way without unbolting anything, right? See if it would do it. Let's see if it would do it. How would you? How could you check that if you wanted to? Just, just for. I'm asking for a friend. I've only. Yeah. I've only played <laughs> with. Uh, we've only had a couple of those newer Mexican beetles in here with the factory EFI and. Uh, are I, they confusing? 
the no. factory FI? No, or it's, it's just a, it's a sealed brain you can't access. It's a sealed brain. I didn't see anywhere you could even plug into it. So I don't even know what is possible with them. Maybe nothing. Because I keep thinking, like, how come no one gets the the Mexican end castings and all that stuff that got all the bungs and everything already put mm-hmm. in there and just start working that stuff out, you know? Yeah, well, uh, Mario up in Washington does. He does oh, yeah, uh, with uh, the uh, Megasquirt. Yeah, 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 Dub yeah. Shop. Dub uh-huh. Shop. Yeah, I've been hounding him to come on the podcast. He's, he's a little he's, bashful. He's a smart dude, though. Yeah. That, that dude's really smart. Uh, we've we've known each other just through the EFI stuff for so a long So does time. he use the, the Mexican end castings and puts a throttle body in place of the the carburetor like you have here yeah yeah he does some cool stuff so he puts his injectors down at the heads which is great but it just adds more cost and then it's megasquirt which again megasquirt works awesome it's super tunable but you have to kind of want to learn it you got to know you got to know what you're doing it's not for like an amateur you got to have a laptop and if you don't want to hook a laptop up to your car this is this is pretty good the downside to this is because it introduces fuel at the same place as a carburetor you have to run manifold heat and that that puts a stick in the spokes for some people because they don't want to run. They got buggies they that don't have you know manifold heat risers and all yeah. that. Yeah, and that makes an actual difference. A lot of people never really realize what those are for, yep. and it just keeps the manifold from icing up. In the especially, like you guys have to worry about that here in Salt Lake. Yep. We, don't, we don't have to worry too much about it in Vegas. Yeah, not down there too much, huh? Yeah, I let I let the car idle for about five minutes and we're good. And you're we're good up to, to go. operating temperature because it gets down to a chilling, a bone chilling. It might get down to thirty degrees sometimes. Oh. It's miserable. I don't know how to do it. I don't know. We just stay in the house till it cools until it warms, warms up, up. <laughs> until the sun comes out. Right. But so the so this setup here, what's somebody looking to spend to get this set up on their car? It ends up being about two grand total. Um, you know, the the EFI from Holly is about eight fifty. You get their fuel system kit, which is about three. I think they're up to three fifty. Mm-hmm. Three. And that 30-ish. is that an in tank pump or no? No, it's external. Yep. Okay. So and, you just need to run an external pump with a return line. Mm-hmm. And that's something you got. How come does anybody make the return lines pre-made? Uh, no. Wouldn't well, there be Wouldn't there be a market for that? Well, Volkswagen did in '75 on. They had two lines. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, you just buy the fuel kit from uh, from Holly, and they've got 40 feet of hose. And oh. we've got a video online that shows we, we. That's like a 45 minute video we made on a on a factory EFI bug. And what's your uh, And what is your What's your website or your video? Uh. Your you know, YouTube channel. If you go to YouTube, if you just go Red E Motorsports, I think you have to have the hyphen in it. I don't type it in very so, much myself. So Red E Motorsports, and you've got you've got a video of this thing running, which I'll put a link to down in the description of the podcast. Yeah, we've got the full install video, and then we have another video on uh, on our buddy Joe's bus. Mm-hmm. I use his bus to uh, kind of demonstrate how the self learn actually works. It kind of we plug in the laptop versus what you see on the display screen that you right. get with it. And I, I hope it explains a little better to people, like, how is the learning work? Because if you know how it's learning, you kind of understand it better. That, I don't know, there's peace of mind. Yeah, it just takes, I mean, if anybody that understands how to program an Excel spreadsheet would understand how this works, because it says, take this parameter, and if this parameter is this, increase mm-hmm. this to that or decrease this to that. And yeah. it just takes a couple variables, and it just starts to add until it gets to its ideal yeah. fuel, fuel error, which is trying to get 14 to 1 on this. Is that what it's doing? Uh, it changes, actually. Um, I got my laptop here. It's obviously it shut off now. I was going to show you the difference from the the uh, Holly tune that if you do the wizard versus what we do into it. So this one here, that's mm-hmm. what Holly will give you is this big blocky target table. So like 14 to one at cruise, you've got this one narrow band at 13.8, idle 13.5. It's just chop, chop, chop. It's just steps almost like one size fits all yeah. And whereas you look at what we do, this is our target table where it's a lot more blended. We have you know 
it's a lot smoother transition from cell to cell to cell, and it works out a lot better. We changed the fuel at idle where it works a little better. So if somebody buys one of these kits and like, you know what, I don't need Eric over there. I'm just going to do it myself, and they mm -hmm. get it. If they don't know all the details that you know as far as like the heat riser manifolds and other variable aspects like that, they could end up just letting itself learn and be unhappy with the self-learning aspect of it. They could. It, it'll run okay, uh, but it can run a lot better. But and it's not going to run like – because I, I think what we forget so much is a stock VW that's tuned properly runs like a factory-built car. It's smooth. There's transition from idle to full RPM yeah. with no issue. I mean – and, and sometimes as VW owners, we just kind of compensate for flat spots and stuff like that. I oh, just got to get past. You got to get it 3,200. That's where it it's likes got it. It's got quirks. It's got a personality, right? <laughs> that's where it's happy. That's what you, she's, she's the happiest right at 3,200. That, that, and that's why these cars get personalities from us because they, they have their little nuances. But no, I think the biggest thing, the biggest hurdle I've run into with this is it's made for, you know, American iron and it's all, that's all short manifolds, small cams. If you compare a stock VW camshaft to a, uh, a mild American iron cam, the speed up you cams are a lot of times still a little bigger. The stock cams are right. just, they're kind of, cause they're More made to lift run. And yeah. They're made to run RPM. These things are little airplane motors, you know, just they want RPM and the American iron is all low RPM. So it's small cams, short intakes. And now we've got relatively bigger cams, long intake manifolds that are going to change a lot. And so what Holly kind of tunes it for, for that Ford doesn't, the targets don't really match what the VW really kind of prefers to run at. At least that's what I think I found. So with with this with this setup here, it's it's all around to like what would be the limitation where you don't want this setup like bigger than a 2.1 liter if you're if you're trying if you're looking for street drag racing performance, this isn't your setup. No. No. This is your daily driver reliable. Exactly. This is not a hot street system. This is a, a driver. Just a, a torquey driver system is what this is really best for. But, uh, oh, but back to it, yeah. So all said and done with our mods and adapter kit and the whole thing, you know, fuel system kit, EFI, everything from Holly and us, you end up about two grand. About two grand. And, and, and then when you do that through you, they'll call, get any kind of support they need from you mm -hmm. and all that stuff. Yeah, it's pretty easy. If anyone needs a tweak to it, if they get some going like, hey, it does a little, because every engine's a little different, different cams, different heads. You know, if they get something that says uh, this little area, send me a data log. They can email me the data log, and I kind of look, and ah, that's all right. We'll rich in it here. We'll lean it here. And all I do is I just send them the target table, and then they just drive it, let it learn to that. What's the strangest thing someone's ever sent you back on this? You ever, sent, you ever got anything really weird? Like, dude, what are you doing? And then, like, it's something completely obvious that they just overlooked? I think the, the worst one we had was uh, a local here luckily so we were able to just i just told him to come in like dave had his bus and it was just glitchy and running weird and all sorts of odd stuff and we're going through it and everything's checking out right checking out right and we're we're just kind of fighting and we're like what is the deal with this thing and uh we finally find out it was the the nut that holds the multiple spades on the coil on the positive side was loose oh, wow. and so it was glitching the power on and off on and off to the right. unit and so every time you shut the holly off it saves the tune that it's learned from that last drive but every time you turn the key on, it's rebooting the system. So it's trying to save and then reboot over and over fractions of a second. Just right. It's trying to compensate for something. It's trying to compensate for an erratic electrical signal. Yeah. It's like trying to run your home computer and having your kid play with the plug in the wall. You know, it's just <laughs> going to glitch it and make it go weird. And uh, so, yeah, we finally figured that out. We tightened that down and it's, you know, we had to reload the firmware. I think it corrupted it. It didn't. The tune went goofy just because you're just right. doing that. So we just reloaded the firmware and he's good to go now. 
So, I mean, really, if, if you're going to go through and put these setups on there, it's good to go through your whole car and make sure everything's dialed in, get any new components that you might need will be suggested by you. Yeah, but uh, it won't fix other failing parts. Right, it won't fix a motor with no compression. Yeah. Right. Yeah, if you've got a valve adjust that's off, you've got a bad coil. Well, I just ran into that on this one. This one started, my shop truck started run kind of real sporadic, had a real hesitation area, and it was just a bad coil. Hmm. We threw a new Bosch coil in it, and it runs great again. It's like, hmm. It's, you know, I always, like I tell some of these guys, you know, I'm like, I go, if you have a problem with your EFI, it's, uh, it's usually something really simple, but you got to find it, and that's the hardest part is finding. Right. And a lot of times it's not even the EFI. It's something feeding the EFI something. Well, you know? I know that um, you, one of the things you emphasize in the very beginning of your video says make sure you have a good ground. You must mm -hmm. have a good ground because a lot of a lot of us, I think we just forget about that. We just take for granted that the tranny is grounded to the body and that tranny is connected to the motor and it's all grounded because we just, my brother and I were just dealing with that on my on my double cab where we, uh, I had an alternator that was all over the place and we just cannot fix, we fix the ground and it yeah. seems to stabilize the voltage on the alternator and and what's so funny is if you, if you could have you could be having alternator issues and you need to put maybe a second ground on the motor. I've, I've seen that with the powder coated alternator stands. Yeah. And uh, the one that was tough for us is he powder coated it silver, so it looked aluminum. So we didn't realize ah. it was powder coated, and we we're just like, this thing is having. Then this is not even an EFI thing. This was we were just working on an engine. Mm -hmm. And yeah, same kind of thing going like you gotta you gotta make sure the rest of the combo is right. This isn't gonna fix a lack of caring about how your car runs. <laughs> now. I, I, Another thing that you're also into besides, so on the EFI, anything we didn't cover on the EFI that you think we need to cover? No, well, I don't know. I, I deal with it every day, so I don't know. Nothing really stands out But, I me. mean, we, we've touched all the points in, in respect to what it costs, what you're looking for, who's mm -hmm. a candidate for it, yeah. and, and all that kind of fun stuff. Um, hopefully that's not my truck out there doing that. But, uh, I don't know. I don't know not, where my keys are. Not mine. Yeah. <laughs> pause this real quick now switching gears from efi mm -hmm. you also i mean you're still you're an avid enthusiast you're still involved in volkswagens as much as you can yeah i mean obviously everybody's got multiple hobbies and things like that but you're also kind of getting in you still doing much drag racing or are you doing more focused on the uh, salt flats i'd almost call me a retired drag racer yeah there's uh our track shut down in 2018 end mm -hmm. of 2018 and uh i haven't been on the drag strip since I've still got the car. Yeah. I've still got, I've got a dragster at home too that's in pieces now, but I don't know. I'm not ready to let go of it yet, but I don't know when or if I'll ever hit the track again. And what's the fastest your drag bugs ever run? Uh, 1029 at 131. And that was on pump gas at 12 pounds of boost in Sacramento. Wow. And that was the run that it burned down on. I had an injector uh, rail broke. And so it's two 14 millimeter holes at 65 PSI just spraying fuel all over the motor. Aye, aye, aye. So. Yeah hard to put that out that's intense <laughs> well and then i i see you've been working on something for the salt flats so you've got a mm -hmm. car you're working on for the salt flats we talked a little bit earlier which i thought was a pretty cool story that you took your drag bug you thought yeah you, you saw a record because i came in here first thing i saw when you did the drag i started telling you what i've heard what people have heard me say on the podcast before i'd like to take my carbon cab out there mm -hmm. to the salt flats and go after that 119 mile an hour record i think it's attainable yeah. and then you started to share your experience what was your first experience like at the salt flats and what was the reason you went out there you saw that there was a record you thought Psh, that's easy no well there wasn't uh, not a record it was uh it was the kind of thing where they've got the usfra has uh at world of speed they've got the 130 club and they got the 150 club the 130 club you got a mile to do it 150 club you got two and a quarter 
And, uh, you know, just because you're the, the racer guy in town, people are like, come out with salt. You know, you got buddies that race the salt. And they're like, you ought to come out. It's, it's addicting. And, and they're right. The salt fever hits you. It's bad. But uh, I just kind of went there and, and they're just going like, just do the 130 club. You know, get your feet wet. Do the 130 club. And I'm like, I've done 130 in the drag strip. I'm like, I don't. I've done that. Unimpressive. Yeah, and and little did I know the great white equalizer out there. It's a harder than you think. It, it, but I'm just going like, ah, I, you know, I can hit the shift light in fourth gear with my drag training and be doing 146, and it's one hand on the wheel. The car feels great. I'm like, this is cool. I go, I'm going for the 150 club. So we pulled my race training out. We put in uh, my wife's freeway flyer out of her 63 bug stock training bone stock, other than a 388 in it. Good move. Uh, I have to ask my <laughs> wife on that one. <laughs> but uh, so we go out there and we put front runners on the rear and we're like, that's pretty much all we did. We're just like, well, here we go. Let's try it. And I tell you what, 80 mile an hour, that car is out of control. It, I aborted two 80 mile an hour runs, uh, had luckily had some help out there with other VW guys. And they're just like, put more air pressure in the tires, which is backwards from what I do as a drag racer. You know, right. I'm, like, I'm like, are you kidding? I need more contact patch. I'm out of control. I need more traction. And they're like, air them up it put as much air as you dare put in it is what Britt told me I'm like okay you know and we bumped them up to 100 psi and uh did 140 and went sideways but we pulled the chute and straightened it out so we didn't spin which is a big no-no out there you have to go through tech again if you spin so luckily we didn't do that uh did another run at 140 and then I hit and that was all eight pounds of boosted gave me is 140 on that car and I'm like well all right so you hit the high boost switch big backfire you know and uh, it went lean so i was like but luckily the mega squirt you know that i have in that car has all the safeties programmed in it there's a lot you, you can do so much more with mega squirt than this this holly sniper you, you can you have to program it in there you have to do it <laughs> yeah yeah the ability's there if you're willing to do it and so it shut itself off it saved the motor and we go back and we re we added more fuel to the map and we we went out again and by that run the fifth run uh first gear you know you take off you hit second and there's no second gear it was already getting a little weird to shift and it was like seconds gone i hit third it was like a thousand rpm in third gear and it's like well this run's blown but i thought well i'll floor it and i'll get some data logging and get I'm some gonna tuning break it. <laughs> yeah i just thought let's get some tuning in let's just do it and it, it started climbing 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 and it's amazing how long two and a quarter miles really is because all of a sudden it's it starts running and uh hits about 4500 rpm that's when it starts making boost because it's just a big lumpy cam and all of a sudden the boost gauge just zings up and we're like here we go it starts pulling uh we get up to 140 and that's just like moment of truth you hit that wall of air again and you're like okay high boost time let's let's flip the switch so they've got in-car video of that thing you see me hit the switch and I, if there was a camera on my face you'd have seen me wincing as i just like is this gonna blow the motor or did i do the fuel map right. guess correctly and it, it actually picked up uh, by our math it was about 95 more horsepower and it went up to about 155. It started touching 156 on the GPS. And then all of a sudden it just laid over and then it picked up and laid over. It was like it was hitting a rev limiter. Uh, that turned out, so that was like 13 seconds of my run was just this car on and off, on and off, on and off. But we still, we qualified for the 150 club with that. Nice. Uh, only bug in history to qualify for the 150 so far. Really? So that's kind of cool. We didn't get it cause you have to back it up to actually get the hat. And, uh, but after that experience on the salt house, that car was scary. There's really not any arrow on it. There's so, so your biggest, your biggest lesson learned out there from your first trip out there to the sand is, or to the, from the dry lake bed was, or the salt, oh, the salt I should say, yeah. is that what is the experience? What can you, what can you assimilate the experience of how the car feels when it's tracking 
Uh, the back end is trying to come around bad. It's like trying to just race fast on like a packed snow road. I mean, it's just kind of in between that and asphalt. It's, it's, so it's, just, it does not feel like traction at it, all. It's loose. We had 18 mile an hour of wheel slip at 155. So our, by the, by the gear ratios at seven grand, mm -hmm. we only did 155. We should have been doing, you know, it was close to so one. You, the tires spinning while uh -huh. you're moving forward. It's, we were just doing a burnout the whole way. And so it's, it, and it's kind of freaky because it, it, it's in essence, you're just spinning tire and the car's just kind of floating there and, mm -hmm. and anything, if you decided to get traction at any moment, things could go sideways pretty quick. Yeah. And there's, there's funny parts about the salt and you hear guys talk about it and I'm no salt veteran. Like I'm, I'm not the authority at all, but you, you hear guys talk about it and you can feel it. There's, there's wetter areas of the salt and then there's dry areas. And then, so as you'll hit it, you can feel it get just, I don't want to say slushy. Yeesh. Yeah. And it's just, Slushy's not a good, not a good adjective. You want at 140 miles an hour. Not at that speed. And uh, and I'll, the whole thing going through my head is going like, man, if this thing spins around backwards at this speed, I'm going airborne. Like there's, it felt so light. It felt like it's on its tippy toes, just not feeling good. And and there's two lines that you're running between. Yeah, two blue lines, and I don't know how far apart they are, like 80 feet, 100 feet. I don't know. Uh, but I was using up all of it. I was going line to line, side to side, just trying to keep the rear end behind me. Is yeah. that just, is that the complete opposite of what you thought it was going to be like going uh -huh. there? I had no idea what I was getting into. And apparently. so after you got done, all the guys explained to you like, Hey, uh, we don't use bugs out here for a reason. They did. Yeah. Yeah. Britain. And they're like, see how we're all in gears. I'm like, yeah, they go, yeah, they're uncontrollable. I'm like, yeah, mine was too. <laughs> <laughs> because the, I mean, besides the bug being shaped like an airplane wing, mm -hmm. I mean, it's also, it, it, it's not really, it's not set up to where it can give you any kind of real grip to, to hold to the ground, especially yeah. on that surface, right? And when you're out there touching the, touching the salt, is it loose or is it packed? It's, it's packed, but there's a loose, like almost like someone just throws a little bit of sand on the road or something. You know, you oh, can gotcha. feel that. Um, the interesting part was, is I ran into Bob Stahl at the Grand National Roadster Show mm -hmm. last January. And, uh, super cool to beat the guy i mean the guy's been out there for 30 years running this uh type 4 powered bug and uh you know he's i think he said he's running nitro methane he's like yeah if i get in second gear on asphalt and just nail it he goes the torch right there with nitro he goes it just roasts him i'm like that's pretty cool and we're talking and start relaying stories to each other about how our cars feel he's done 159 is what he's done on salt and we did 155 and we're, we're talking to each other and our stories mirror each other exactly. And he's got some more arrow than me. And I've started going, yeah, it doesn't matter. Right. This guy's got 30 years of dial in this car in, and he's describing exactly what I went through. And it's like, and that's why he goes, he goes, if the salt's not perfect, I don't run. I just don't. And I, and I'm like, I get it. Yeah. I'm not taking my car back out there. <laughs> <laughs> so you're building a gear to go back out there. Yeah. Cause I'm that dumb. Yeah. And, and you're, and, and the gear that you're taking out there, I mean, it looks like you've done quite a bit of work. So you, this car is built specifically for this. It's this one is SCTA legal. So the, where my bug is not SCTA legal. And that's why you have to run the 150 club. Cause, uh, and there's a, there's a, there's a little bit of talk about that, about how it, it's kind of an unsafe category to let people run in. Like, you know, SCTA looks at it and like to run 150 in SCTA, you got to build a car that's just about like that really and they just let us go out there with our rickety Is drag that, car and, and under the guise of the 36 horsepower challenge like no through no, that this, no this was this was not the 36 horse challenge at all this was just 150 club so any street league you have to be street legal Is so the, as long as it's street legal you can run uh-huh not a lot of mods to the car uh no you can you can do a ton of mods you can add all the but i mean you want. not not 
what I'm saying is there's no mandatory mods or safety mm. other than what it comes with. Yeah, well, <clears throat> for 150, you've got to have a, a certain amount of cage. And 150, there's more safety than the 130 club. 130 club, I think it's pretty loose. Mm. You can take almost anything out there with, with just a little bit of little bit of prep work. You still got to do something, but it ain't much. Yeah. Well, I tell you, the Ghia is a sharp-looking car, and I'm looking forward to seeing that thing. So this year, I know the mm -hmm. Salt was kind of a bust this year. Yeah. Both times. I've got a buddy that runs a 911 out there. Oh, yeah. My buddy Tom Woodford, and uh, he's got a, a black 911 he runs out there, and he was, I want to say he was, uh, was going for 200, maybe a little bit more, but uh, – yeah, and he's done all kinds of racing throughout the years, and he says that's just a different kind of racing. He's at a Winnemucca now, but uh, yeah. it's it's definitely a new experience for him, and he's he got addicted, and he's out there just trying to push that thing. Yeah, it gets you hard. Yeah, it's just like, man, it's you want to get out there. You want to start running numbers. It, yeah. It, it's, it's tough. So what's, uh, where do you see the future of Ready Motorsports going? Uh, well, hopefully we get this Gia done in time this year, and uh, – start running for some g-class records the two liter records and this and that and then when that's done uh we'll hopefully throw the big motor in it and just see what it can do yeah but we're now with this car we're going actual sceta so we won't be running 150 club we won't run 130 club we'll just go for so when you say sceta what class will this car run in oh uh, what is it the the gfalt i think is one uh so it's classic altered is what it is so you can't modify the body at all but you can take the bumpers turn signals off so it's a certain year car it can be any kind of car I think it could be any car yeah you just so can't modify it really. we talked earlier about that corvair that's running out there mm -hmm. is that that would run against this or that i mean there's it, 50 million classes out yeah, there it's all displacement Oh, They've gotcha. got like, you know, one liter, right. one and a half liter. So this will be a two liter straight up or yeah, two liter class. So we're going to go for the, the fuel and the gas class nice. aspirated. And, uh, and it's kind of a bummer for me because there's no fuel injection allowed in that class. Oh really? So, and what's, and what's the record for that class? Uh, they're 132 and 134. I believe, uh, my buddy, Chris Merzik got both of those records in 21 driving a, a Kia and which is cool. Cause it's not a Volkswagen class. They, yeah. They're trading shots back and forth with, I think the team is called Whisk, uh, Wagons A Go Go. Yeah. And they just kind of like trading shots at each other, you know, year after year and, and having fun with it. And nice. then, uh, so it was fun to go out there. We went out there and, you know, pit crewed with them. Cause I'm just trying to learn as much as I can out there. Cause I'm a, I'm a novice. Yeah. Uh, and Chris is a wealth of knowledge. The dude is smart. He's a Bonneville inspector and he's a guy I've been leaning on a lot to make sure this car's built right. It's built safe. Uh, he's sees pictures. He, you know, calls me and says, Hey, man, it's not in the rules, but maybe add a bar here, add a bar here just to be safe. Wouldn't be a bad idea. And you look at it and go, yeah, he's right. You're not to safety first. Why not? Right. And he's been, he's been so useful and he's out there to help everyone. And sometimes weight's a better, a, a, a better benefactor out there. You, you want to add weight. I've got about, I think about 150 pounds of lead over there in the corner that we're going to figure out where to put that in the nose of the car. That's crazy. Well, cool, man. Well, I appreciate you taking the time to, to, yeah. to kind of sit down with us and let us get to kind of know the man behind Ready Motorsports. And uh, anybody up here in the Salt Lake area, uh, even further than that, anywhere around here in the central central state area, um, how can they best get to you? Uh, that's a good question, actually, because we're uh, we're kind of a I'm like I'm kind of a one man shop with an employee, uh, me and my my right hand man Tristan here. But it, since it's a, I'm a working owner. Mm -hmm. It's loud we're running engines we're working we're not always able to get to the phone so we have a phone leave a voicemail 
uh, text is great or email is great, but a live phone call is kind of tough for us because sure. one of us is doing something loud. And then can they, people get to you on Instagram and things to that extent? You check those much? I, I post pictures to Instagram, but I'm, I'm getting a little long in the tooth and I don't get, I, I, I kind of stick to Facebook. That's, yeah. that's the old person's game now and that's where I'm kind of comfortable. Right, boomer. <laughs> <laughs> Well, cool, man. Well, again, thanks, man. I appreciate the I appreciate the time we get to hang out today, and uh, yeah. I look forward to uh, seeing you some more next time I come out here and uh, seeing what you can put out there on the streets. Yeah, hopefully we'll we'll, we'll see each other out there in September or yeah. August. Yeah, that would be great. All right, thanks, man. Hey, you bet. If you like that podcast, make sure you guys subscribe. Also, send all your friends a link to this podcast. Let them know what you're listening to. Let them know where they can get some good VW content. And if you like the podcast, go give us a five-star review. We'll give you a shout-out on the podcast. If you want to support us, go to letstalkdubs.com. Click on the merch page and pick up some merch. I'm, I've been threatening this for a while. I've got a bunch of the uh, One Crazy Weekend shirts that I had done in blue that were like the shirts to be bought at the show. The driver shirts were white with sponsor logos on them. This shirt is blue. There's no dates on it, and it's just the artwork from Steve Nazar. So I promise I'll get those on the on the website this weekend so you guys can pick those shirts up. They're pretty cool artwork by Steve Nazar, and it, there's nothing cooler than a shirt that says Vegas and Volkswagens at the same time. So, And remember to support our sponsors. Support the people that support your favorite podcast. Until next week, guys. Later. You probably don't know that there's a new Volkswagen out that doesn't look like a Volkswagen. Volkswagen. Oh, 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 oh,